it's like the warm-up version of when like Rocky drinks like the 12 raw eggs. How you doing? I'm well. Wow, you, you doing, are uh, you are loving tennis right now, huh? Uh, it's my favorite tournament. Uh-huh, sure. It's like inescapable. I can't help but follow the storylines. You know, it all like comes together. And then also for the first time really truly, like the media, the mainstream media kind of pays attention. The MSM, sure. I'm not that into like what happens on the courts. I mean, I am. <laughs> right. It's early rounds. Early rounds. Yeah. Sure. I mean, some interesting stuff has already happened and some interesting stuff will continue to happen. There's all this other stuff like swirling around that's fascinating. Okay. So let's get going. What's the fascinating stuff for you? Okay. A small hobby horse that I want to talk about, but it's important. Mm-hmm. Five setters at Grand Slams. Okay. Ben Rothenberg, who is a freelance tennis writer, uh-huh. co-host of the No Challenges Remaining Tennis Podcast, yep. New York Times contributor. Uh, he has for a couple of years now been sort of going on and on about how we need to ban five sets from Grand Slam tournaments. Wow. And for anybody who doesn't know, tennis is a best out of three contest, men and women, with the exception of Grand Slams, in which the men from the beginning of the tournament to the end are expected to play five sets, with no tiebreak in the end, and that's for either gender, in the last set. So you can't uh, you know, conclude a set as you normally would at six all with a tiebreaker means basically like by the second week, you know, everyone's like hobbling around or injured or you're basically not getting the best tennis out of everyone, which I actually agree with. Right. Right. And he's kind of made this point for, you know, time and time again. And, uh, you know, it's like one of these things where like purists tend to sit on one side and, you know, people who are sort of concerned about appealing to a wider base of fans sit on the other. Right. Finally today watching the David Ferrer, um, Donald Young, Oh, God, that went on forever. 13-11 in the fifth, right? Yeah, it's bananas. Has has Ben, uh, I'm just going to call him Ben. I would, um, yeah. Has Ben, you know, like, is there like a modified version where it's like five sets starting with the quarters or something like that? I would like to ask him, actually. Yeah. That, even that, like, could kind of make sense. Like, it yeah. didn't bother me a ton in the Olympics where it was best of three and then the last match, the gold medal match, was yeah. five. That feels right. Yeah. yeah, like or I maybe don't, a little I, earlier. Yeah, I don't hate the concept of a five set match, but it does end up, especially at the beginning of tournaments, you know, where you get like these totally meaningless three setters. Yeah. Like the third set is just like, oh, cool, Rafa Nadal like kind of blew past Benoit Pair today, <laughs> like six one six three. Oh yeah, Those... like do we need to put? It's like an obligatory third set that like nobody really wants to watch. It's like you know, instead of making the match like an hour and a half, the match is now like two hours and fifteen, which is a very different experience. You know what I mean? Right. Totally, totally. I totally get it. I mean, I would not, it'd be heartbreaking to not have like the nighttime Australian Open five setters in the finals. You know what I mean? Like some of those Nadal, Djokovic finals at the Australian, like it would be tough to not have that. So, so I, think I mean, more, I personally don't yeah. like those. Wow. But I really? take your point and I would defend it. I well, feel like there's middle ground that I could actually support. I'm okay. not, no, I don't actually like it. I mean, I say it as like a pretty big baseball fan. Like you're a okay. baseball fan, right? You're I a am. Phillies fan. Sure. Yep. You know, which I don't even hold against you. You know, <laughs> at like, least my team exists. Expos dig. Ouch. Well, I've become an adopted Yankees fan, much okay. to the chagrin of everyone I meet because everyone <laughs> hates the Yankees. Uh-huh. But I married into it, so it's not my fault. Okay. Um, you know, love going to baseball games. I don't mind that it's kind of slow and sleepy. However, when the Yankees play the Red Sox and they're making like a pitching change every inning, and those things drag on to like five hours. That's like a terrible sporting experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well, just as by 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 way of uh, getting another dig on the David 
Ferrer match. Uh, <laughs> during the fifth set, so presumably when it should be most exciting, I hopped onto YouTube and <laughs> and watched the cut-up highlights from Federer Quarton 2004 because I saw it pop up in my feed and I was like, is it possible that Quarton could have beat him in 2004? Which is like just he did. A, he he sure did, and that was just like a beat before peak Federer. Like he was already good; he wasn't as dominant. Yeah. Um, weird match. Quarton uh, had cut his hair. He looked all professional. Like, that was like towards the end of Quarton when he lost that sort of like goofy, oh, like I'm a busker from you know, yeah, exactly. Rio de Janeiro kind of vibe. Yeah. The clothes were like slightly less shambolic. I liked him. I met him once. I smoked a cigarette with him outside of the White Horse Tavern. Oh wow! Wow, I could see yeah. it was a smoker for sure. Yeah, that's um, kind of like fun when you're kind of like oh. Cool. Like, I bet Gorandi Vinicevich smokes cigarettes. Oh, I know, yes. like, Murat Safin does. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure, yeah. On the changeovers. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> totally. Um, totally. Yeah. Okay, so that was a big uh, takeaway from today. And, you know, I have argued in the past uh, on the side of the purists. You might remember when I was like, I wouldn't be sad if wooden tennis rackets came back, which is a true thing that I believe. Yeah, sure. So I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm not somebody who's like the game, you know, right. can't retain its sort of you know, original terms. I right. can be an, you know, a constructionist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I try to work in at least one constitutional reference for each yeah, of these podcasts. Someone went to college. Um, <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think, um, I think, yeah, I think I'm way more in favor of the fifth sets um, than you are. But yes, I think if we started in week two, I don't know that a lot would be lost. There yeah. have been five set matches that I've really been into, but you never talk about the fourth set. Right. You know I mean? No, no, it's true. It's true. Um, and the uh, Federer Nadal Australian Open final, like for all of like the glowing writing about it, I mean that was like not a great match until the fifth set. <laughs> yeah, the fifth <laughs> like, set was amazing, but they like kind of both didn't play well at the same time until right. the fifth set, and then until everyone was like, set. "Oh man!" So yeah. if we could have just like fast forwarded to that, right? Although we wouldn't have, right? I mean, I think that kind of cuts both ways, right? Yeah, like, no, I think, it's like, great point. Yeah. Yep. All right. So what's the uh, second fascinating uh, non-actual playing thing that uh, that you've seen? Well, okay, so everyone's losing their shit over Margaret Court. Have you followed mm-hmm. this at all? Uh, only a little bit. It's plain. Margaret Court, the Phyllis Schlafly of uh, the <laughs> pro tennis tour. Okay. Right? <laughs> sure, sure. I think that's uh, that's an amazing comparison. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I thought of that earlier. Okay. Uh, and I put it in my back pocket just for you. Um, okay. Okay, so Mar- uh, Margaret Court, Australian tennis legend, won the most non-open era Grand Slam singles uh, titles. So now it is said that uh, technically Serena Williams is chasing her record having broken Steffi Graf's record last year, which I think uh-huh. is bullshit because nobody really counted Margaret Court's record. No. Right? No, like Steffi Graf is, was yeah. the winningest, you know, no. Grand Slam champion of all time, men yeah. and women, until Serena bested yeah. her. So I feel like, yeah. you know, this kind of Margaret Court business is kind of ugly and messy, especially because she played like 20 Australian Opens when nobody could get to Australia. Right. <laughs> right. The ships couldn't go that far. They, yeah, could, they totally. ran out of gas. So Margaret Court, longtime uh, opponent of same-sex marriage. I think she's like a minister of some sort of like very intense Christian denomination. Uh-huh. Um, this week, I gave an interview where she talked about this uh, openly gay tennis player, Casey Delacqua, uh-huh. uh, who's an Australian, and how her marriage was doing a disservice to their child. Ugh. Wow. Pull, pulling the kid into it. That's like the lowest. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. You, you want to talk about what's good for kids. Yeah. Like, don't be a hateful bigot. <laughs> this comes on the heels of her saying, Margaret Court, that is saying that she would protest Qantas Airlines mm-hmm. because their CEO is gay and they have like a marriage equality stance. Uh-huh. 
Um, so basically everyone in the tennis world now, despite like this lady kind of saying dumb shit all the time has decided that this is like the big stand. And there's even talk of the, them renaming Margaret court arena, which is one of the main show courts at the Australian open, um, to sort of take the honor away from her. And so now everybody like kind of has an opinion and all the players, which probably sucks, honestly, if you're a player to like have to talk about like marriage equality on, you know, you're like, how'd it go out there? Third set. Can you say something interesting about marriage equality? (laughs) You're like, Oh, I can't say anything interesting about anything. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Should we throw it to the States? John Isner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, but most players are like, this is horrific. This is terrible. And then a lot of people have been sort of circulating an interview that Margaret Court gave in the 70s. Yes, the 70s, yeah. where she talks about how apartheid is awesome. Oh, wow. Really, dude? I guess if you're going to be on the wrong side of history, like, be fucking consistent. <laughs> right. Like, there are a lot of people who are not or against gay marriage who are also against apartheid. Like, <laughs> she's way out on an island on this one. <laughs> you know, so, like, my point here is not to, like, yes. pile on her. That's been done in more articulate manners yeah. by some yeah. tennis players who probably would have not have rather talked about this in their post-match interviews. But it does, like, sort of, it, it kind of brings up this whole right. idea of, like, naming facilities after people like Illy Nastasi, uh, you know, said some horrific shit that like we talked about a couple of weeks ago about Serena Williams and, you know, he's still sort of got to go to the tournament in Madrid because his friend Ian Tyriac owned it. So it's kind of like, what do you do with these? Like when the elder statesmen don't behave, but, uh, I don't know. Like, would you take her name off the court? uh, I mean, I don't know. No, I feel like there's probably a bunch of other, other cool things you could name that arena. I would not be heartbroken if it happened, <laughs> but, but but I don't know if I'd pull the trigger on it. Yeah. Anyway, we might have to come back to this in Australia because, like I said, there's talk of them taking the, the stadium name away. And then Sam Stoser, who's like the Australian number one player, said that she might boycott. Wow. Yeah, dude, it's, it's wow. heating up. So I feel like we should talk he, about you know, it. I mean, could she say to the organizers, like, I don't want to play on that court? Probably. I mean... Early in the tournament, at least. She's the Australian number one singles player. So she would be on it. Yeah, she would be on it all the time. She is also my pick for, uh, like, total dark horse shock winner. In uh, this tournament, in the French Open. In this tournament, this very tournament, yeah. She came very close, lost a heartbreaker in 2010 to Francesca Schiavone. She's got a good game. She just won the the warm-up tournament in uh, uh, Strasbourg. That is fool's gold sometimes, but she has a weirdly fun clay game. Oh, I, I like her game a lot. Yeah. It's really, yeah. really, really spinny. It kind of only works on yeah. clay, although she did win a U.S. Open beating Serena Williams in the during the infamous uh, ball shove, yeah, shoving down weird. his throat incident. Super weird. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's your pick for who's okay. going to win this thing. Dark horse well, pick. Dark horse pick. Dark horse pick, yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. toying with him now. Mary Carrillo. By the way, Mary Carrillo, yay or nay for you? Uh, not a huge fan. Uh, closer to nay. She said a really weird thing today uh, in the uh, Bradley match. Um, she's playing who? Mladenovic? Um, and she mm-hmm. talked about how... Oh, Jim Brady, Christina yeah. Mladenovic, and, uh, yeah. And they... <laughs> see, I guess Mladenovic had been uh, one... Uh, maybe the French Open last year or won a doubles Grand Slam title. And she said, you know, with her, her friend, they were really good friends when they played that match. And I was like, what, what a weird way to put that. And then right afterwards, she, she, she said, now it seems like they don't talk to each other. 
it's <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> you're like just enough information to be right confusing like, wow that's like i i'm want to know more about that i shouldn't but that was a weird tease mary carillo <laughs> Well, this actually yeah. brings me into the next subject that I want to talk about. Sorry, I'm yeah. really fired up today. It's because I watched all this tennis, and I was listening to Radio Relangaros, yeah. which, by the way, if you've never listened to tennis yeah. on the radio, I've been listening to it for years because I still can't really figure out streaming. Right. You and I have talked <laughs> yeah, about this. You really what is it? Like, is this like I'm a mom now? I just can't do like computer yeah, stuff? I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, streaming is kind of an important part of our sports world right now, Caitlin. Let's, let's, let's put a pin in this, and, and off air, I'll talk you through it. Yeah. <sighs> I wish you yeah. would. So I wish somebody yeah. would. I get the tennis channel, but I can't seem to get tennis channel to stream on my devices, hmm. which is a yep. bummer because it's like basically the only thing that shows tennis right. during some tournaments, including the French Open, my favorite yeah, tournament. Well, okay. Um, I've 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 some. You think you can solve I can this? Solve this, but but go on with your point. Go ahead. Yep. Okay, so my point is, listening to Radio Ron Gallers, amazing. So good. Everyone's like British, so they're automatically smarter. <laughs> Radio Wimbledon you is know awesome. What I mean? I've only ever listened to Same Wimbledon. thing. It's like the same people. Yeah. Okay, basically. Perfect. Yeah, and it's like incredibly relaxing, actually, to listen to like a live match being called. The commentary isn't so much uh, about like Justin Gimmelstab trying to like puff his chest and like act like he was a real tennis pro, <laughs> which is what a lot of it is on the tennis channel, which is the yeah. worst. And or Mary Carrillo just saying random sort of stuff and it really dawned on me like how absolutely terrible the tennis channels commentating is especially now when there's such a like vibrant wonderful non-visual yet right. superior alternative huh. wow i gotta check this out you really uh, do yeah. it, it's it's great i mean it's not only british people but it's you know gg salmon and um simon cambers who's another british dude uh courtney nguyen who's the wta insider kind of rotates through yeah it's fascinating. And like they actually have sort of interviews with the players. They've sat down and gone to the press conferences where the players in their own words talk about stuff. So it's like so much more insightful. Yeah. And it's and to your point, like it's just the right amount of context that anybody who doesn't know tennis or understand tennis can sort of get into it. Right. For example, the Kiki Mladenovic, Caroline Garcia, who's the woman that Carrillo was talking about. These two had yeah. won a couple a ton of tournaments together. Yep. They um, were very good friends, and they kind of came up around the same time. And then they had this big schism. Garcia refused to play the French Federation Cup. And Mladenovic was like, this isn't cool. She should play Fed mm -hmm. Cup. The French Federation has done a ton for us and get, get, given us all these money, you know, this money and opportunities. It's, like, super not cool. Caroline Garcia should do it. And then, like, in the blowback of that, she ended up being like, this girl hasn't graduated from high school. Oh, boy. <laughs> her dad controls her. I speak five languages, which is a thing that she said, uh -huh. which is awesome, by the way. She said it five times. Yeah. She said it in every single language. Exactly. You know, and she like sort of most famously had the most to say about Maria Sharapova's doping ban, but then backed it up with a victory on the court. So you're like, oh, dude, knowing this backstory makes you really excited to watch yeah. her on the tennis court. But like, mm. you didn't get that tidbit and you would have. I didn't. Yeah, I, I totally. Yeah, I was I was left to wonder. Um, that's great. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. So basically my point is t the tennis channel in particular is really, really, really bad. And Radio Relagaros is really good. And the last thing I'll say is they, and I know that this is like a thing, and I'm sure it's a thing too, like during the Olympics, you know, we keep a medal count. And like, if you're watching it in the States, everyone's like, how's America doing? Like there's some cohesive America that we all should care about, like, you know, adding up our totals of gold medals versus other yeah. countries. Um, but like, it is so blatantly pro like USTA, which is the United States right. Tennis Association. They are so blatantly like pumping up the players who graduated from that system, kind of whether they deserve it or not. And all of them are coaches too. 
So it's right. just like, dude, it's weird. Really? It's weird. It's super yeah. weird. Does that happen in other sports? At least they make like the commentators like stop playing or coaching, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I can't think of anything that would be that's quite like that. Um, it is a weird conflict of interest for sure. And it makes the commentary more important to me because like the conflict of yeah. interest, it's like, yeah, that's a bummer. But like if it were great and scintillating, you got all these inside details, maybe it would be fun right. or worth it, but it's not. And it's, but it kind of drains it. You're saying like, like you're just, those are the things that are just not going to be. Seen. Yeah. Like Tracy Austin yeah. is just wants to talk about how great Jen Brady, the chick who took Mladenovic to three sets today yeah. was because she graduated from the USTA training center and she knew her since she was a kid and it's like actually her game's like super busted uh <laughs> yeah you were on Twitter it's about unclear this, huh? to me you know what I mean yeah. oh yeah she has like the same game plan as all the other kids who come out of the USTA which is like hit cross-court backhands and try to like hit winners from the baseline there's no variety really to a lot of the way that they play and you're certainly not going to hear that angle right from the commentators who are in a lot of cases responsible for designing the curriculum <laughs> right. of the USTA. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It's like it's one thing to play pattern tennis, it's another thing to play the same pattern tennis. Yeah. Isner, Query, Steve Johnson, Coco Vandaway, Jen Brady pretty much all play the same hmm. game in, to varying degrees of success. And like if you don't know tennis, you don't care. But if you all of a sudden are shown like a Justine Ennen match, you're like, tennis is amazing. What a cool variety. Outside of, uh, outside of, Nadal, do you think that the Spanish men all play kind of the same? Like, is it uh, homogeneous in other countries too? No, yeah. actually, De- like David Ferrer is like a baseliner grinder for right. sure, as is Nadal. But you look at um, Feliciano Lopez, yeah, the lefty. His best serve is grass, and he like mostly serves in volleys. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Carlos Suarez Navarro has like a looping one-handed backhand, kind of plays like a chip and charge game, like Schiavone. Yeah. Garbina Muguruza plays big, big tennis, but she's actually a pretty good mover and closes yeah. at the net. And the French, the French men, forget about it. Oh, they're there's like... like they're they're only <laughs> similar no in their dissimilarity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And not winning majors, unfortunately. <laughs> Very importantly, not winning majors. Sanga, by the way, is my dark horse. Ooh, well, he, he also just won. Uh, or, yeah, yeah, that was why. I got excited. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's like, I don't know, like, does it, how much does tournament before the tournament success actually matter? I don't know. It would be. I don't know. I mean, I feel, all I can draw is numbers. like from juniors. It feels yeah. good. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because you're coming in on a high. On the other hand, if you play until the Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of days before the next tournament starts, yeah. you could be tired so, or, like, have a mental letdown. So when you were winning just junior tournament after junior tournament, you, like, you like got <laughs> to know <laughs> how, it, how it is. Exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Cool. It, was a, it was exactly like this. Yeah. Just, you know, bathtub attendees <laughs> bringing you tea and biscuits. <laughs> exactly. Which is a real thing that I read today in a story about the locker rooms. Wow. Uh, which is the last thing that I wanted to talk about, which is how awesome it would be if only I could be treated like a pro tennis player is treated in the locker room Yeah. at some of these big tournaments where they literally have bathroom attendees who like heat the bath up for you and bring you tea and biscuits. I know. It's like Downton Abbey up in there. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's awesome. Can you imagine living the life of leisure where your like butler prepares you stuff and brings you snacks? Yeah. And, and also like for the butler, like it, like when he goes back to like his butler class re- reunions, like he has by far the coolest job, right? Like he's, he's not working at some, for, <laughs> for some hundred percent venture capitalist guy. To some lesser Duke or Earl. <laughs> Yeah, I heated up like, you know, Roger Federer's post-match soap. 
I gave Nadal yeah. a scrub down. Oh, okay. The Nadal stuff. Did you actually read this story? If anybody wants to read something insane, CNN has a story about the locker room, uh, like sort of back backstory. And there was a lot of things that were touched on here. A lot of it was Maria right. Sharapova, which I feel like we've right. done to no, death. No surprises. Yeah. The best thing was the Nadal stuff. Like, you know Nadal's a lunatic from the way that he acts on the court with all of his, like, sprinting and his stuff. Yeah. Did you read this no. thing about his, like, pre-match routine in the locker room? This is before he even gets to the court and, like, arranges all his water bottles no, no, no. and, like, does all that, like, line sprints yeah. and stuff. No, no, go. Okay, ready? Verbatim. The 31-year-old Spaniard's pre-match routine includes a long series of rituals, freezing cold shower to invigorate himself before putting on his headphones while his trainer bandages his feet. After putting grips on all six of his rackets, Nadal will then wet his hair before putting his bandana on, before using the cramped space of the locker room to do a series of short, violent bursts of exercise. <laughs> violent. Wow. Other players are advised in the context of this to not try to see it because it is must. it's so intimidating. Yeah, yeah just someone, right. Right. That's it's 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 like the warm up version of when like Rocky drinks like the twelve raw eggs. Like that's basically, <laughs> basically what we're dealing with here. I I can relate slightly to the grips because there is something uh methodical and pleasing about putting a grip on just right. I get it. I d I don't yes. get it six times <laughs> right before a match. Uh well, what I was yeah. struck by was like sure he does this with like Roland Garros where he's about to, you know, go for his 10th title or like some of these fancy tournaments. But I'm yep. sure that he does this in the tiny, tiny locker rooms of Bulgaria. Right. If you're doing this in one place, you're not going to like just take it easy and not do it. Yeah. Can you imagine sure. running into him at some small town tournament, maybe where the facilities aren't so great, maybe at the beginning of his career and this <laughs> maniac is tearing through the halls doing short, violent bursts right. of exercise. I mean, no one must get near him, right? Like a combination of how crazy it is. Plus how great he has been in his career. Like no one would get close to him while he was doing that right no yeah of course not largely because they might get tackled <laughs> hey rafa what's cracking man what's up i know that was a lot you of stuff to throw at you but i had saved this up i bottled it up all this like random tidbits and ephemera over the like the past yeah. like four days it's only the beginning i know it's only the beginning and other than kerber there hasn't been a lot of crazy upsets yet you know what i mean so it's only going to get better i even don't even think kerber was an upset she yeah she's the number one ranked player in the world but she's had a pretty atrocious clay season which she does every year yeah. and also she's like a defender so she like she wants like a fast court where she can like counter punch yeah. so like she went out to a really good player in the first well, round that was the thing. Eh. It was terrible draw for her terrible draw yeah yeah yeah, yeah like makarova was unseated and that chick has made like multiple quarterfinals and i think two grand sums yeah. like katarina makarova is like a, a legit incredible a player. legit player right yeah 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 right, right. i was a little sad that skiavone couldn't um couldn't do more against Muguruza. Yeah. That's a tough first round too, and it's, it probably is her last. I talk about her all the time just because I find her so inspiring. Yeah. Plus, she's older than me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, that is a big part of it. I think <laughs> it is. Yeah. It, I feel like our our souls are entwined in the way that I'm watching like a version of myself, right? Uh, in, in a way that's like quite painful. You know what yeah. I mean? No, I mean I'm basically. I mean the other way to look for that is like like I'm basically the same age as Federer and like Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's really depressing it's great like to actually get better at tennis like i'm just holding on to be like i i often wonder like like as i get older what younger age of me would have won like would 15 year old me beat me now like am i at that point <laughs> because oh interesting yeah. so like you you've defined the fixed point of your peak and then like you're wondering at what point on the decline yeah, you are it, exactly exactly it's like a parabola it's like 
exactly a reverse parabola yeah, again with the college stuff parabola wow um but i i yep. just <laughs> oh, maybe that's high school but no i mean i think like <laughs> i think like as erratic as i would have been at like 15 or 16 like i think i just like i just wonder if the court coverage would have been so much better because court coverage is something where you don't it's hard to perceive as you're losing it you know what i mean um so i'm sure i'm kidding myself feeling like uh, like, oh, it's not, not that much different. Like, I'm sure there are many balls I don't even run for that I would have got to. I feel like 100%. Yeah. I also think, like, the aid of, the visual aid of, like, beautiful graphics could help us. Like, if you mapped someone's footprints oh, and, like, yeah. their, like, the way that they raced around the court, like, onto, like, old video of themselves right. to see whether they're doing it better oh, or worse. Yeah. Like, I definitely feel it. I'm definitely doing it worse. Yeah. Can I tell you something also? I just changed my grip on my oh, forehand. Gee. Del Potro, all the way Eastern? Come on, man. Yeah, all the way okay. Eastern. It feels like I'm like Roscoe okay. Taylor playing with an Eastern grip. I've moved from an extreme Western to a semi-Western, oh. and it feels like I'm like walking on the moon. Wow. What, uh, but it's a fun challenge. Yeah. I'm interested. I'm into it. It's five days in now. Okay. Are you same? Uh, backhand is the same, basically? Unchanged? Backhand's, my backhand's in good shape. My forehand okay. degenerated over the course of the last decade such that um, my uh-huh. coach who I occasionally talk about, who's very harsh, uh, basically stopped me the other day and she was like, you're getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is harsh. <laughs> She's um, so harsh. Um, uh, so- and I was like, I know. She's like, your forehand is gross. What's happening? She's <laughs> like, I don't know. She's like, we just this, have to start over. This kind of sounds like a horrible person. Really. It's, it, it's a bit of a sadomasochistic relationship, but I really okay. like it. She like makes me do sprints and stuff. She's very intense. Oh, wow. She's playing the tour. She's, she's not there to fuck around. Yeah. So like... Um, do you feel like going semi-Western is um, easier on your, like, is it more forgiving with footwork? Because I kind of feel like it is. Like, I've slowly gotten less Western over time, and that was that was the reason I did it. I think it will prove to be less onerous just because you have to hit that Western forehand so far out in front of you. And also, yeah. like, my whole body was tensing, so I wasn't getting a lot of power. I was kind of, like, wasting it away on the coil as opposed to, like, actually yeah. using forward momentum. For anybody who listens to this show and doesn't understand tennis, sorry that this just got really nerdy for a second, but it might also be interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you like physics. Um, yeah, so basically now I'm, like, swinging through the ball and my contact point is a little bit more malleable, which actually is, like, much, much more forgiving. And I'm not shanking as much, which yeah. feels great. So, like... Especially on returns. Exactly yeah, right. Difference. I mean, sometimes I really yeah. do feel like I'm like Roscoe Tanner and like hitting an Eastern grip with like an old school wooden racket. So it's a little bit weird, but it's also kind of fun to have a thing that you like slowly chip away at and like fine tune a little bit. Also at the right. same time as my body is deteriorating and I'm getting lazier. So, you know, <laughs> like we talk about, maybe I'll have like the perfect strokes, right. but like no mobility at like age 70 and maybe that'll feel good. There are a lot of people like that that I've seen play on courts. Just like flawless strokes, but basically playing from a stationary spot behind the baseline. I would be okay with that. Maybe I'll just like yeah. resign myself only to doubles and just like only hang out, you know, about a foot, right. you know, inside <laughs> the But still line. play the eye. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, and try to serve aces. But yeah, I feel like it's given me like renewed yeah. life. Like instead of clinging to this game that was like failing me, now I have like a new game that I'm trying, which is a weird feeling to feel like for what? for who you know i'm 36 i play yeah. league tennis jesus this is this is inspiring yeah, yeah. all right get, really get excited i'm exci- i think that's part yeah. of the reason I'm, I'm i've been watching so much tennis i feel like oh yeah I, i'm hitting a forehand yeah. that looks like the, what everyone else is hitting as opposed to like jack sock <laughs> right oh jack sock which is ugly even um, when he hits it just being just yeah. being honest <laughs> all right caitlin uh let's talk during uh, week two when there will be more uh, more upsides i can't wait 
Yeah. Until soon. Yeah. Until soon. Have a good night. But you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line. Shot flew up. Oh, he's toying with him now.